married to our lead pastor, Mike. Uh, so here is Dr. Tim's Yeah, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. So great to be with you on this great morning the Lord has made, right? So, you know, it says in Psalms 118, this is the day the Lord's made. You know what it tells us to do? Rejoice and be glad in it. So where are we not this morning? Right, we're not halfway across the globe wondering where our next meal is gonna come from. We are not presently in a hospital. We're not presently at a graveside. We're not wondering if this is the day when uh, they come in with the artillery and ask us if we know Jesus. This is a great, a place of great privilege and luxury, isn't it? So let's lean forward like the place that it is, the place of luxury and privilege, not just you know sit until the message is over until we can get to lunch. Let's engage the God who brought us here. Psalm 139, 16 says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So we sit here by God's design. Whether you think somebody dragged you in here or you came in because you just need a little something and you're not even sure why you're here, God's got you here for a reason and myself as well. Do we agree with that? Yeah, so I'm excited about that. I also wanna just give it up for this little pocket over here of the Young Life awesomeness. Yes, yes. Love being with them. Love having their energy with us all the time. You guys are awesome. So we are within our series, The 40, to take seriously the fulfillness and the, excuse me, the fulfillment and the fullness of Christ's death and resurrection and what that means for our everyday life. Justin let us know that that's what we're in the middle of, you didn't know that. And so last week, we looked at how, Pastor Mike looked at how the presence of God connects with the purposes of God in our lives. So we're gonna take that further this week as today we've been tasked with an idea put forward in our 40 days devotional. So I'd, I'd like to show a picture of it on the screen here. I don't know how many of you have grabbed this devotional that we are doing, trying to do as a church, but if you've never had a devotional or you've never had a time where you have uh, kind of done some regular Bible reading and just some time of reflection, boy, this is a great one to begin with. So download it, grab it. Uh, I don't know if we have some hard copies here, but get it today and maybe start a practice that you've never had in your life, which is, um, you know, spend a little time with the Lord and getting a perspective orientation. It can change everything about a day, let alone a week, let alone a month. Amen? Yeah, so it's great for those of you that haven't gotten it. Today, from this uh, devotional, we are being tasked with what is in week three of the devotional. It says, going back to go forward. This idea today that we're going to talk about is this idea of looking back to look forward. Now, I don't know how that strikes you. Does the idea of looking back to you bring feelings of nostalgia or even sad feelings of a darker time? Is regret what immediately rushes to the fore when you think of looking back? Or does envy for a simpler time of life than today's hustle, bustle, busyness, right? Intensity, does, is that what pushes in? Perhaps you can feel the grief of just wanting something or someone back from a time in the past. Whatever the case, looking back is an inevitable part of each and every one of our lives. You know, if you're in high school, you look back to elementary school. If you're in college, you look back to high school, and it continues, and so on, right? But if you recall, the idea that I said we're tasked with this morning is the idea of looking back to go forward. That's an important one-two idea because if you just look back, well, take a look at this clip. 
You see, when we only look back, it is indeed just like that clip, isn't it? Like only looking in the rear view mirror. A rear view mirror is not for navigating what is ahead. But you and I know them, don't we? People who have been stopped, their lives have been stopped by that moment, by that thing or that person in the past that they just can't get past. The person whose spouse had an affair and they have reeked of a bitterness that pushes everyone away from them ever since. The estranged family member that makes every holiday gathering difficult. The person you avoid in the grocery store because you know they're going to, though innocently, start giving you their sad story within minutes. They're stuck. This is actually where Jesus and faith, and Easter, where these things can come radically into play. But if we consider you know, your life sort of on a stage, so to speak, and you're in the foreground, there is a background. There is a backdrop that is really important for us to consider if we're gonna consider this idea of looking back to look forward. So we have to do a wide angle lens, a zoom out shot for a moment. Can we do that together? So we gotta go 30,000 feet, whatever analogy you want. We gotta take a wide angle lens for just a second. First. God created you on purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. There is one set of fingerprints that will be on this planet ever that are yours. One of you was all this planet could handle. <laughs> Some of us are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> No one else can do the job that you were sent here by God to do. He created you the way he wanted you to be for the purposes in advance he prepared for you, the works that he prepared for you to do. So all of you struggling with purposelessness or insecurity, your fingerprints need be the only value, self-esteem sort of reminder that you ever need reminded of, right? that there literally is no one that can ever fill the you quotient that this planet has. If you don't do it, nobody else can do the job that you were sent to do, literally. So by definition, not by feeling and not by feel good, by definition, this makes you special. Okay, created by God for his purposes. As God's creation, he loves you irrevocably, unconditionally, overwhelmingly, to honestly a degree that we cannot take in with our finite minds. And in Romans 8, 38 and 39 it says that nothing in all creation, neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not even you can separate you from God's love. That love is coming our direction. However, we have a problem. We cut ourselves off from experiencing his love by our sin nature. Every one of us, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you have a hard time connecting what that sin nature is, just think about the level of self-absorption and self-consumption that you have on a regular basis. That is keen evidence of our sin nature, right? So we've got to recognize what Christ did on the cross was take our penalty for that sin nature. 
that self-love, that world should revolve around me, self-desire. And when we accept what Christ did on our behalf, that he paid our penalty for that sin, he gifts us with all that we need for lives that can have, honestly, be characterized by peace and grace and love and contentment, even amidst the brokenness of this world. So that's the other part of our backdrop. We've gotta understand something very important, that we live in a time now when God's full plan of beauty and restoration has not yet occurred. When sin entered the world, it wreaked havoc on everything, and I mean everything. I know you can feel it, can't you? Doesn't everything in you look around at some things and, and what's going on and scream, it's, it's not supposed to be this way. Come on. The political climate of our time, the divisiveness that I've never seen in Christianity at this point, to this point in my life, doesn't everything in you just scream, it's not supposed to be this way? That's correct. Because it, you were created and I were created, our souls were created for Eden, which is the garden that the humans first lived in, where they had unbroken fellowship with God. And we were created for eternity, which again is unbroken fellowship because of Christ with God. And guess where? We are. We're in between those two times. We're at a time in which the consequences of sin and the brokenness of sin still have some effect. So that eternity, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity in our hearts. That eternity in our hearts, by the way, explains why you keep getting your hopes up after you swear I'm not gonna get my hopes up anymore. It explains why we keep getting so devastated by tragedy and so upset by betrayal. Because there's something in us that's going, it's not supposed to be this way. Can't you feel it? The time we live in is the middle of the story, like any other middle chapters, where a whole lot of upsetting and tragic and beautiful and amazing stuff happens. In Acts 3, verse 21, it's a verse that talks about there's a time when God is going to bring, I love this phrase, everything into restoration. Isn't that great? Okay, so that's the backdrop. That's the 30,000 foot view, the wide angle lens uh, that brings us to now when we engage, okay, looking back to, go, to look forward. That our past is part of his larger story where we are in a broken time. Also, that we are part of a larger story that God is authoring and God's story is one of restoration of bringing everything back into a restored state. So yeah, the past in our lives is a part of God's, God's larger story. So, when Jesus hung on the cross, maybe some of you know some of the words that he said on the cross. There's one phrase he said, it is finished. It's finished. That's a statement for each and every one of us. His statement was that death was defeated in any final form for all who call him savior. His forgiveness is for all sinners who acknowledge their sinful state and need a savior, and that translates into our everyday lives. That your yesterday's rant at your kid's soccer game does not have to be your forever label. Not that I have lived that one. That your moral indiscretion, your DUI, 
getting caught with porn at work, being fired for shady practices, cheating on your taxes, your boyfriend, your diet, that nothing, nothing has forever shackles on us if you've given your life to Christ. Amen. Listen, this is going to be a rough go for you people, or maybe me, probably me, because uh, one week ago right now, I was in New Jersey with a thousand Assembly of God women. Yeah, that's right. I need something. I need something from you people. <laughs> so we do. We need to switch back to our rear, rear view mirror idea for a second. What is a rear view mirror? Gosh, that is hard to say. What is a rear view mirror for? Why do we look in one? We look in one to see what is close to overtaking us, right? We look in a rear view mirror to see what is close to hitting us. Yeah, we also look in one to see if there's anything in our blind spot. So, for us, analogously, it is good for us to look in our past to see where our unforgiveness of someone has turned to bitterness that's infecting every relationship we have or distrust that's infecting everything we do. Or it's good for us to look to see where anger from the hand I've been dealt, right, has caused even our closest friends to spend less time with us. To see where that unhealed wound of sexual promiscuity in your past wants to take your today marriage down because you never fully dealt with it and you and your spouse are in a tenuous spot with the strain of teenagers in your house. We cannot make forward progress unless we do, though, only clearing looks in those directions. If we keep our gaze focused there in the past, then we are doomed to crash in our present. Seriously, are you letting someone else's baggage steal your joy from today? Are you permitting someone else's hurt to decimate you in this season of your life? thereby missing the beauty and the goodness of what is right in front of your face today? We can rest assured that if we're focusing on something in the past, we're never going to make even forward progress. Can I get an amen there or something? Yeah. We all know it, right? Intuitively. The Apostle Paul gave us a great picture that speaks to this in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. For what, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Would we be like Paul today and be able to say, okay, I want to keep moving forward to you, Jesus, and in you, Jesus. So when we're thinking about our past, in general, I know things have come to your mind uh, that God's brought them to your mind even as we've been together for these few minutes. Generally, I'm just going to say, give three categorizations of them right now this morning. First one is this. Of the hurtful incidents in your past, there are the kind that are not your fault and that are accidentally kind of happened to you, done to you even, or it just happens in your life. You lose a loved one, etc. So what's the healthy response to that kind of hurtful incident and difficult, challenging thing in your past. What's the healthy response there? It's to grieve 
with the God who understands loss. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief about Jesus. You understand to grieve with the God who grieves with you. All of life is lived on the two rails of joy and grief, you know. So we have a God who does not tell us, hey, don't grieve. He says, I, will, I am with you in your grief. So that's the healthy response there. So the second kind of maybe hurtful incident in our past is the one where it is actually, it's been hurtful, and it was done to us on purpose. These ones are hard, right? So what's the healthy response here? What's the Godward response here? Well, our job is to forgive in the manner and the love of Jesus. And in Colossians 3.13, it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Listen, that as is like, like he forgave you, and I want us to have the right picture of forgiveness. It is not lollipops and rainbows. That cross was brutal and painful, and it killed him. Forgiveness, this act of the will that God says, will you forgive because you trust me, not because they're worth it, not because you're doing it for them, but because I ask you to, and I know the best life that I have for you, and the best life I have for you is when you walk in forgiveness. You've got to trust me. Just trust me. Can you say, okay, I release him or her or that or them to you because you say that's best for me? That's our job when something's been done to us on purpose because of how great his forgiveness is for us, right? So the third kind that of hurtful incidents that we can kind of partition out, these ones are easier to see and harder to deal with, the ones that are our fault. You brought it on yourself somehow. You participated in it somehow. What is the healthy response here? What's the Godward response here? It's to seek forgiveness and reconciliation and then move forward in thankfulness and freedom, not allowing that past to be a shackle. We can't let the rear view mirror be bigger than the windshield. So I don't know about you, but when I hear the healthy response to those things, don't you think, oh, that's hard. That's hard. It's hard to grieve with God. What is that? How do I even do that? It's hard to forgive. It's hard to re reconcile. In our culture, it's like, well, I'm not with you. It's hard, to it's hard to humble ourselves in those places, and we can't do them unless we have God's help. Those kind of mature God-word acts we cannot do unless we have Jesus' help, right? Which leads us to our poignant, life-altering, life-giving, and life-saving passage that we've been looking at and will continue to look at, John 13, 14, and 15, and 16 in this 40 days. So today we're at John 15, 1 through 5. Look at it with me, if you will. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, what is it? Mm -hmm. I think we know that as we sit here, right? You're not telling your own heart to beat or your lungs to work 
or yourself to take every breath that you're taking, we can do nothing apart from him, (laughs) right? So we can have a bigger picture on our lives when we stay close to Jesus and the story of God. We cannot get stuck in a past moment when we stay close to Jesus and the story of God. A wonderful thing happens when we remain in the vine, when we stay connected through the Bible, through prayer, through being in the church, through talking with other Christ followers, remembering about how life is so much more than the hustle bustle, looking at your fingerprints and being struck again by the gravitas of the creation that God made when he crafted you. When we remain in Jesus, something amazing starts to happen as we realize the freedom that comes through our story written by someone greater than us, our forgiveness given by someone pure and perfect, more holy than we can imagine, and a love continually poured over us that is freely given, which causes us to rise in hope over and over and over again. You know what starts to happen? When we stay close to Jesus and the story of God, we can start to look forward to a future with eyes of hope. To some of you, that's no big deal. But for some of you, that's practically offensive that with what you have been through, you think that the past has stolen the possibility for a joyful tomorrow for you. Not in the economy of a God who is restoring all things to himself. The Bible doesn't just tell us this. It shows us this in the lives of many people. So, for instance, after a life of abuse, betrayal, and unjust treatment, by his family, by his brothers. Joseph said, it's recorded in Genesis 50 verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. His brothers left him for dead, you guys. Paul's words, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a number of epistles in the New Testament, and if you don't know about his writings and his story, I encourage you to uh, open your Bible and get to know him a bit. Anyhow, in Philippians 1.12, for those of you that are familiar with the works of the Apostle Paul and his life, you know what he says? Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that whatsoever has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Did Paul really say Whatever has happened, do you remember, those of you who know his story, even just a little bit of what he endured? He was betrayed, he was beaten, he was left for dead, he was imprisoned, he was literally shipwrecked. (laughs) And he says, for the advancement of the gospel, we are literally seeing ones who were left for dead say that the painful past can become something God uses for his glory and our good? I've sat with people who have said, what I'm going through is the most painful thing I've ever gone through, and I'm so glad it happened. Can you yet come close to saying such a thing about some of your own hurts? If we allow God in to have our pain, 
the painful past, and if we believe that he is our, for our good, then we can start to see him use it and transform us through it. Listen, I truly believe that my parents' divorce was one of the most productively shaping events of my life, and that not being mothered has made me sensitive and attentive in ways that I would not have been were I not wounded so. Many people's children think about these kinds of turnabouts. That many people's children benefit from their parents' motivation to give their offspring the happy childhood they wish they had had. That others manage money diligently, spurred on by financial ruin in their early days. The turnabouts. That men who have watched their father's unfaithfulness are dedicated spouses. I have a commitment to marriage that is a little ridiculous, my own marriage, that is a little, well, yours too, but a little ridiculous. <laughs> a little ridiculous because every one of my aunts and uncles on both sides of the family have been divorced at least once, if not multiple times. And I've got this commitment to like, I will never, in a good way, it's a good thing Mike's a decent guy or I'd be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right? A quote from my personal devotional this week summarizes as well. Do you mind listening? It says, pain is a part of life, but do not allow pain to pin you to the mat of victimized living. <sighs> I think that's even more pandemic than the coronavirus, to be honest a society that is continually willing to, un uh, to not take responsibility and ownership. So instead of this though, instead of living like a victim, instead of always nursing the ways in which you've been mistreated, God can take our place of great pain, brothers and sisters, and can use it to be a place of great strength and effectiveness. We can, we can assess this in ourselves by asking this question that invariably presents itself in some form or fashion in my counseling office. Are you ready for this question? It's so helpful. Am I bowing down to my past or is my past bowing down to me? That's essentially what the Apostle Paul said. I'm, I'm not gonna bow down to my past. That past bows down to me for the advancement of the gospel. Am I rendered stuck or ineffective because of something that happened to me? Or am I unable to envision something better, something grander that would not have come to pass if I did not go through what I had gone through? A quote by Steve Goodyear says this, my scars remind me that I did indeed survive my deepest wounds. That in itself is an accomplishment and they bring to mind something else too. They remind me that the damage life has inflicted on me has, in many places, left me stronger and more resilient. What hurt me in the past has actually made me better equipped to face the present. Or said differently in the words of that great philosopher LL Cool J. <laughs> you can't let your past hold your future hostage. This only happens when we believe we're part of a bigger story. A story where an altogether loving God meets a people who face brokenness, challenge, and hurt, and picks them up and says, let's not let this go to waste. 
Isaiah foreshadowed all this kind of work of Jesus in his book in Isaiah 61, that Jesus was sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for all those in prison, to proclaim the year of our Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient cities, and they will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities devastated for generations. Hallelujah. Do you know that this means that yes, generations of alcoholism, it can stop with you. There are things that can stop on your watch. If you say yes to Christ and you say yes, I want whatever has happened to me to really serve to advance the gospel, it can end on your watch. Only though, if we remain close to Jesus, we understand we can't do anything apart from him. He did. Jesus said beauty would replace ashes that praise would replace despair. Isaiah continues on, and he continues this analogy talking about sorrow and sighing will be no more, and deserts are gonna become lush, and garbage dumps are gonna become garden paradise. This same hope is alive for us today. By calling Jesus Christ out of a cold, dark tomb, God proved beyond a shadow of a doubt his ability to fulfill these promises. <laughs> Do you realize if you've said yes to Christ and you understand your part in his larger story as well as the thoroughness of his forgiveness and the massiveness of his redemption saga, the best is yet to come. Oh my gosh, people. Let's try that again. <laughs> Are you ready? The best is yet to come. Yeah! Okay. And yeah, that does mean the certain future that he's given us that he describes in Revelation 20 where it's gonna be no more tears and no more mourning and no more crying and no more pain. The old order of things is gone. The new has come, he says, I am making everything new. These words are trustworthy and true. And that starts now as we can stare at abuses and evil that have come our direction and say, because I belong to Christ, and because of who he is in my life, this will not pin me to the mat. I will rise in his strength again, and continue to tell the world that he is good, and continue to understand my job is to be a conduit of that same love and grace that he has shown me. There is no grief, no sin, no problem, no frustration, no mistake, no abuse that cannot be redeemed and used mightily by God. 
Paul assured us that this glory that will be revealed will far outweigh anything in our present circumstances. Look at it in 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen nor, e- nor ear heard or mind can conceive what God has in store for those who love him. We can actually be people who live like we know that. Let go. We can be people who live like we know that. So have you begun to consider how you might be a better person because of what your past has handed you? Do you believe that he can take that rejection you experienced and turn it around to be a place of blessing as you seek to love others well? Can you see your betrayal scars as the reason you are the most loyal person you know? Can God take your terribly dysfunctional upbringing and use it in your own life to make you a parent among parents? He can. Do you have a unique message to offer others because of your awful abuse? I'm sorry. Are you more sensitive to outcasts because of your own experience of being marginalized? Can you see how your challenges need not take you out of the game? So maybe today, and I pray today, you can embrace the thought that your past hurts, challenges, and difficulties can actually be a pathway to a more intimate walk with God and a more effective life. So, what emerges when we get right down to it is that there are two distinct options for doing life post-hurtful incidences. The first one is to let your past hurts, failures, and losses take you out while you live in bitterness or fear or regret. You understand the powers of hell itself want to make you believe that the places that are devastated in your soul will always be dead and gone. That your rejection, your betrayal, your emotional damage, your physical abuse, your infidelity, your abandonment, they can never be redeemed. Or the second option is We can believe God and his love and his plan and a story that is bigger than our comprehension and we can embrace the moment moving forward. We can embrace the circumstance. We can embrace the challenge, right? We can even say, God, how might you be fulfilling your promise to restore that which has been stolen so that all things truly do work together for good? That is a a truth of depth not something we say to make ourselves feel better when things are bad. This path makes you connected to Jesus, more committed to prayer, more diligent to pursuing healing because of life's challenges. We can only do that second though, back to where we are in John 15, if we remain close to the Lord. Remember, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. What was the last part? Apart from me? What is it? Apart from me? Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't. We can't really do anything if we're not staying connected to the Lord. We especially cannot navigate tough times and rise above them unless we trust that he is with us and he's going to use what seems only painful. You know, in that John 15 passage, I don't know how many of you picked up on the fact that he talked about pruning a bit. 
Sometimes our hurts and our hard times are directly that, God cutting something so that ultimately we are better. We're better love givers. We're better grace givers. We're better conduits of mercy. But no matter what, it's a moment by moment reliance and acknowledgement. If I remain in him, I gotta remain in him. I gotta remain in him. So pull this into what it means to your life, right? Pull it in. Don't have it be truth that sits out there. Remain in him. Okay, so it's like this. It's like, Oh, God, I cannot do this meeting today without you, Jesus. God, I can't. I cannot do this meeting without you. God, I can't do this conversation I'm going to have this afternoon. Oh, God, I can't do this without you. (laughs) Help me in this conversation. Be with me in this conversation. Jesus, I can't walk in forgiveness with my mom here at Easter dinner except that you carry me. You know, some of you may need to have like something physical. I've done this in my life at times. Just to literally make yourself carry it so that you remember he's in the room. He's with me. I'm remaining in him. He's with me. Whatever you're facing, whatever's going on with you. Remain in him. Remain in him. And he can take that which was awful and bring you through it and do something in it or with it. So, thanks for being here. It's really good to be together this morning. And I hope that this look back that we've taken makes you excited about what a forward look now means for you. I pray, I pray that it means a newness or closeness in your walk with Jesus that brings you to a hope that you haven't had for a long time or ever. As we leave here thinking differently about your pain, remember the rear view mirror is only for an orienting glance, not a lingering look or a guiding stare. You'll wreck, you'll get stuck. I just invite you right now to apply the force of your will to your faith, a faith that grabs hold of hurtful times and literally squeezes them until the good starts to drip out of them. I pray that God has spoken to you today. I want you to remember something. (laughs) The ultimate look back is that his past is what allows us to look forward. That what he did on the cross and his resurrection, the life he lived, what God had him do in our place allows us to live a level of freedom and peace and joy and victory. If we keep who he is, what he has done for us close in, and we get it that our lives are nothing apart from him. Because of his past, because of what he has done in the past, our future is beyond our comprehension. Look at Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 as we close today. Just pray, we, I wanna keep it up on the screen so as we go into continued worship, you can just keep looking at this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing. This is what it is to place yourself in the hands of a God who doesn't waste a thing. Who's a God that's committed to restoring all things. Who's a God that is committed to using even the most painful thing in your life. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much that you are so real. I just don't have anything else to say other than thank you. 
Can you just tell him thank you right now in your heart? Thank you. Jesus, the people that don't yet know you, the past just will own them. We sit here in the reality and the goodness and the grace upon grace upon grace, your grace upon grace upon grace, that it doesn't need to own us. And so, Father, I just pray, whatever you wanted to do here this morning, that it would be sealed by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would leave here people with the right kind of real energy, not a fake smile, not a suck-it-up mentality, but real hope rising from a real God who has done real things and will continue to be really with us until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.